When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Here you go. Here you go. Super Bowl. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Friday, February 10th, 2023. We got it. We got through the two-week gauntlet. It's been two weeks since we had a game. NFL completely lost the news cycle. They got it back last night with the awards. So jealous of that. It's yet another thing. I've spoken to you about different things that make me jealous as a former executive in baseball. Our awards get announced in November, one day after the other. MLB Network now does a thing where it's an hour-long show, and then you go on CBS HQ and you talk about Aaron Judge won the MVP unanimously or whatever you say over Otani. But the NFL honors, they go. It's like the ESPYs always must have made the other networks jealous. But you go, and uh, Patrick Mahomes wins his second MVP in six years, and he tapes it because of course he can't go, it's Super Bowl Thursday. I was telling Coca before the show started how disappointed I was that we chose LeBron to break the record last night against the Lakers. Of course he had a break it Tuesday, not Thursday. Thank you to the listener who told me that my wait to see is not wrong. Change it, Coca, because the next time LeBron plays, oh, he didn't play yesterday. Cut that, he didn't break the record yesterday, he didn't even play. So Patrick Mahomes, somehow they kept a lid on it. No one knew who the MVP was, even though a camera crew had to go and he had to accept it in a taped acceptance. He's getting ready for the Super Bowl Friday night. Here's what's happening. When you're coming within 48 hours of a game like this, whether it's game one of a series or if it's game seven of a series or in this case, a Super Bowl, there's certain rules and regulations that teams have. They have curfews. They're in their team hotel. Everything is scheduled to the minute of what the players are doing, when they'll be eating, when the buses will leave for practice, when they'll leave for the game. Everybody is given a 
itinerary and a schedule, not just players, but staff, locker room attendance, the media. It's tons of schedules because everything's by the clock. You have the pregame schedule. One of the things that you have to talk to your team about is their pregame preparation because timing's off. You've got introductions, you've got the anthem, you've got just a lot more commercial time. And so looking at the timeline is important for coaches because players, many players have pregame routines that are based on timing, time before kickoff, time before first pitch. You're telling your players, do us a favor, don't get arrested, don't go out, this is it. There's no more going out in Arizona. You are there and you are eating dinner and then you are going back to your room, separated from your family. The other big stressor that is taken care of already, today is Friday, all tickets for all the players' families, all the players' friends, all of those tickets have been taken care of. They've been distributed, everyone is all set. And what you're trying to do is get your players ready to play by keeping a list of all possible distractions and eliminating them. The coaching staff going through their game plan one final time, one final set of meetings, but it's like studying for an exam where at some point there's the law of diminishing returns where it's just better to watch a movie or better to go to bed as opposed to staying up all night or cramming something. Like, are you the type of person who looked at your notebook right before an exam got handed out. Let me get one more thing in my head. What was the capital of Idaho? Yeah, you don't need to do that. It doesn't even get into your short-term memory when you do that. But kids somehow still feel a reason to do that. We all do that. You go into a meeting, one more thing, let me just check. You gotta believe in what you're doing. You gotta believe in your game plan. You've got the halftime show. You know Rihanna has gone through rehearsals. When Pro Player hosted the Super Bowl, it was awesome to watch The Who do their rehearsals, sitting in the Marlins Clubhouse. Prince doing his rehearsals, using the Marlins Clubhouse as his home base. We weren't allowed to even go near it. But of course, I had the ability to sneak in with my uh, pass. This was before they were able to turn passes off for the Marlins but the halftime show's gone through, everything's exact. Everything is ready and everything's under lid, except of course, Super Bowl commercials, which we're gonna talk about, but Super Bowl commercials, they're already showing them before the Super Bowl even starts, that bothers me. I don't know why they're doing that. Part of the fun of the Super Bowl is not being able to go to the bathroom for three hours and 30 minutes because you don't wanna miss a Super Bowl commercial. And you can't press pause because then you're delayed on the game and then you're not current when you're trying to tweet live. It's really very stressful. Maybe I need a bottle or something. What are you doing for the Super Bowl? It's a party. Are you going to a party? Do you feel like you have to go to a party even if you're not a Super Bowl fan, if you're not a football fan, and you just start eating and drinking as early as you can? What a great thing the NFL has done getting 115 million people, if that's the real count, to all sit and do the same thing at the same time for a game that a year later, you're not even remember who played. And if you do, you won't remember who won. And if you do, you won't remember how they won. When you're the president of a team in the Super Bowl, you're thinking about winning and what you're gonna do after you win. You're beginning to go through it. You never admit this, of course, you can't admit. It's like admitting when you're in the Academy Awards that you've prepared a speech although now people are going to their phones a lot, but it's mostly just to list the people they have to thank. But you're going through and you're thinking about the what you have to do once you win, what a parade is gonna look like, what's going on with your team, free agents, restricted free agents, tags, all the different parts of your payroll, 
you have your sales department ready if you win of a pick ticket package that you'll do post Super Bowl for next year's season tickets. It is an amazing sort of organism where every side of the organism, every part of it is working in concert and the president and the owner are trying to pull the strings and making sure everyone's on the same page. And the worst part about heading into a big game like this is that once kickoff starts, you've lost control. You've controlled everything up to this point. You have watched as the two weeks have developed, you've envisioned it, you've pictured it, and then when the game starts, there's nothing to do but see whether or not you are right. See whether or not the game plan made sense. See whether or not the execution is there. See whether or not, because it's not your home game. You're not monitoring the hot dog sales. I guess last year, maybe the Rams people did because they were playing at home, but that's once in 57 Super Bowls. But in general, that's not what the Eagles are doing or the Chiefs are doing. You just sit there and you know the camera's gonna be on you. Here's a little nugget. Uh, the owners know when the camera is going to be on them, there is a, uh, a delay. So you have a feed in your suite, which is you've got about a four second advance. And you also have your head of broadcasting tell you when there's going to be talk about you and when you think when they think they're going to pan to you because they have this is what Fox and CBS, anyone who's broadcasting the Super Bowl, pretty cool. They've got a list. Do you think they just scan the crowd to see where the celebrities are? Or there's one guy in charge of looking at the suites. Hey, is that DiCaprio? Oh, no, no, not at all. There is a list that they get, the production team, of where people are sitting. And then the cameras practice, sort of there's rehearsal for the camera people. And there's a plan of when they're going to show who, and they go over it with the broadcasters. Hey, we're going to have, you know, whoever from, you're going to see a lot of people from Fox shows. That's who's, because Fox has the Super Bowl. So you're going to see people starting in Fox shows. They'll be somewhere around the Super Bowl, somewhere at the game in Phoenix, and they'll show them during the course of the game. It's all pre-planned. Everything you see has a purpose. And I sort of like that, actually because it takes some of the stress away, right? Can you imagine the poor camera guy like at the 50 yard line who's forced to look around? Hey, is that, hold on, let me get Google. Let me see if that's him. No, it doesn't work that way. So owners are there and that's why sometimes they stand up, sometimes they're sitting down. Roger Goodell, when they show him, they'll show him. It matters who he's sitting next to, that's all planned. When they show Goodell on TV, he's always next to somebody, somebody of import. One game they showed him did they show him next to Ciara and Russell Wilson one time? And I was thinking, how did he get that spot? So right now, everyone's going through their final preparations, and I hope you are too. It's Super Bowl time. When you are doing Super Bowl commercials, you've got to start that process long in advance. If you are the head of marketing for a company, you present to your boss, this is our budget that you've given me, thank you. This is how I would like to spend our budget because this is what I believe is the best use of our money. Take last year with all the cryptocurrency commercials. Somehow they were floating in your money and said, hey, this is amazing. Let's spend some of it on Super Bowl commercials. And meanwhile, the broadcast network, whether it's CBS or Fox or whoever has the Super Bowl, they're more than happy because they're just trying to get their rate because their shareholders are dependent 
their share price is dependent on what happens with revenue from a game like the Super Bowl. They've got to make the expense pay off. You got to try to show a profit. So you start working on your Super Bowl commercials, you start with storyboards, and then you get the storyboards approved, and then you think about when you're gonna film it, and then it goes into editing. It is a nine-month process. It's like the incubation of a baby is how long a Super Bowl ad takes. That's how long in advance you start. Believe me, there's companies thinking about CBS's Super Bowl next year. And then we got word yesterday that there's a Super Bowl commercial that was thought of filmed and ready to roll in a month. And I read this and I said, that seems very unlikely. It was the New York Mets. Yes, your New York Mets have a Super Bowl commercial tomorrow. One, four, 69. Your New York Mets have a Super Bowl commercial on Sunday. Here's how our marketing budget works in baseball. And it's no different if you're the Yankees or the Marlins. You are prepared, you prepare a budget, you prepare what your marketing budget is. And your marketing budget has an online component. It has a print component. It has a guerrilla component. Guerrilla marketing is when you are in your community and you decide to drop Yankee eggs from the sky on Easter. What you are doing for marketing is one thing only. You are buttressing and supporting your sales. That's all. People will tell you, and these are marketing companies that do it, that's not the only reason to market. How about branding? Let's get our brand out there. And we'd say, well, we'd like to improve our brand. We'd like to increase our brand visibility, another code word for spending a million dollars for people to say, oh, what was that? And then when I would say to the advertising company or to the marketing department, I can remember 20 commercials I've seen and I remember who's in them. I can't for the life of me remember the product. Do you ever have that with a Super Bowl or with any commercial where you can sort of remember it? What's the worst nightmare of remembering? Yeah, Matthew McConaughey was in a commercial. That guy did car commercials. I can't quite remember what kind of car it was. How's that for building your brand? Everyone good? The theory that we have when we're trying to do partnerships in sports is that you as a consumer are more apt to engage with a company or use that company's product if your favorite team uses it too. I always would say to Pepsi, I'm telling you, People associate Pepsi with the Marlins. People associate Coke with Major League Baseball. If you're a fan of Major League Baseball and you're drinking Pepsi, you're gonna switch to Coke when you see a Coke commercial. Here comes Mean Joe Green. And then they'll say, well, no, we're not gonna get people to switch from Pepsi to Coke. We're trying to get people who don't drink Pepsi or Coke to start drinking a cola. And if they're gonna start, you might as well start drinking Coke because there's Mean Joe Green and the Q Kid. You tell me right now if you changed what soda you drink according to who's in the commercial. What, you don't like Michael Jackson, so you're gonna stop drinking Pepsi if you're a Pepsi person? Or you start drinking Pepsi because, oh, that's Michael Jackson. So the Mets have put together a Super Bowl ad, not for branding, they put together a Super Bowl ad and it's out there. And here's what it is. It's a bunch of the Mets players acting like they're ticket sellers. It's so good. And they're all busy. Everyone's buying tickets and the Mets players are taking the calls. 
And then Edwin Diaz finishes by doing a sale and says, I'm the closer. First of all, nine out of 10 people won't know that that's Edwin Diaz. That's just how it goes. Second of all, the Mets commercial had nothing to do with that, despite what the chief marketing officer said. The chief marketing officer said it had to do with Steve's philosophy of yes, bring me ideas that you think are gonna grow the brand, that are gonna set the Mets apart, that are not just going to be running a team as a normal team. Steve Cohn wants to grow this into the Mets brand, not just the Mets baseball team. What a bunch of crap. They actually said that they see people wearing Yankee hats all over the world and they don't even like the Yankees, but it's New York that they like and they don't know the difference, so they might as well wear Mets hats. Boy, that really helps you sign Aaron Judge that there's people walking around Tanzania wearing a Yankee hat. I wonder whether it has anything to do with corporate sponsorship money or the price of tickets or the size of the TV deal, which is based not on Tanzania, but on the local size of your market. Nah, it has to do with the fact that people are wearing them in Yugoslavia. Do you know how many Yankee fans are gonna watch the Mets commercial and say, bing, I'm a Mets fan. Oh, there's gotta be Phillies fans who will watch it. Definitely Philly fans. Or if they're only showing it in, your, in their local area, maybe only New York people are gonna see this commercial. It's a local Super Bowl commercial, I like that. That's the theory. It's only a million bucks, not 7 million bucks. We're gonna show it during the local window, 30 seconds, because that'll get people to buy Mets tickets and be all excited. Why weren't they excited last year? The Mets were leading the division. They won 101 games. Could hear a pin drop at City Field half the time. I get it though. I get ego. Believe me, I do. When you see your team represented in certain places, when you see that you're part of a TV show, I used to love getting that. The way it works is MLB is in charge of all the clearing. Anytime you see a team's mark in a movie, like let's say when uh, Jack Nicholson goes to a Yankee game with Adam Sandler to propose to Marissa Tomai in a movie called Anger Management, that's not the Yankees cutting that deal. That is done through Major League Baseball. The Yankees have to give permission and there are certain uh, expenditures that are paid back and there's no profit for the teams, but teams love that. When Marley and Me was filmed at Pro Player Stadium during a Marlins game, it made me feel important. Hey, look, I get to meet Owen Wilson and Jennifer Aniston. Hey, look, that dog just crapped on the field. Hey guys, we're gonna be filming something in between innings. Don't panic, just keep warming up. I promise you we won't delay the game. We just gotta let him get a few shots during the game. It's all good. And then you send all your friends to go see the movie and you hope that people then associate the Marlins with some sort of import and somehow that'll bleed into ticket sales. It doesn't do a thing. I wanna know an accounting of the number of people who buy Mets season tickets or go to a Mets game because they saw a Super Bowl commercial. It reminds me of one of the great scenes of one of my favorite movies called The American President. In The American President, you've got Charles Grodin going to, sorry, it's unbelievable how wrong I got that. Are we live? It's Friday, man. It's a movie called Dave with Kevin Klein, where Kevin Klein is the president, except he has a stroke because of something with Laura Linney. And then boom, there's a guy who looks like Kevin Klein, who is Kevin Klein, who becomes the president. Charles Grodin walks in, they look at the budget and they're trying to save a children's shelter 
and they see there's a line item in the budget for millions of dollars and it's about commercials to tell people who own cars that they should feel better about the car they already bought. And he says, why would we wanna make people feel better about something we already bought? Why wouldn't we use that money to do something better, to change lives? I think about that all the time. There's so much money spent in these commercials to make you feel good about the choices you make. God, am I glad I drink Budweiser because I love them Clydesdales. <laughs> I'm gonna buy crypto because I see Tom Brady. It's absurd. So the Mets do this, and here's what's going on in an owner's meeting that's happening this week in Palm Beach. It just ended in Palm Beach, Florida. They're all looking at Steve and they're saying, are you kidding me? Are you just trying to make us look bad? Are you trying to flaunt the fact that you can put a million dollars into your budget for a 30 second commercial where our entire marketing budget is $7 million and we have to spread that out through an entire season. We have to spread it out through an entire year. We have to figure out how to get an ROI on that. I'd love Andy Goldberg to tell me what the ROI is on the Super Bowl commercial and not do it in some esoteric way. This is amazing. Having the Mets associated with the Super Bowl, showing that we can play with the big boys. They start off three and seven. We'll see how that goes. Owners' meetings in Florida are solely based on the fact that Commissioner Manfred lives in Florida. I never had one winter owners' meeting in Florida. Uh, maybe one after uh, Rob took over. But Bud Selig, the previous commissioner, his winter place was in Arizona, which means that every owner's meeting in January was in Arizona. Of course, at a hotel owned by one of the owners, a guy named Bob Castellini. I can't remember the name of the hotel he owns, but that's where the owner's meetings always were once he bought the uh, the Reds. And he had a good place. It's like near, near the mountain, near Camelback Mountain, and everyone's there and everyone's upset because Castellini jacks up the prices for the hotel while you go there. Yes, you have to pay for your hotels. So this past owner's meeting this week was in Palm Beach, right near Rob. The February, January, February owner's meetings are an interesting one because you've got owners who all believe no matter what their team is, whether you're the Tigers, the Royals, or the Mets or the Padres, they're all walking around because they're in first place. They're feeling good about themselves. They haven't lost any games yet. There's still the hope of spring training. Even if they shouldn't have hope, they do have hope. And so that is where you feel the most equal at that meeting. Artie Moreno is an owner who doesn't go to many owners meetings. He did go to this one in Florida and he spoke to the press because he's got the number one story in baseball. It's the number one story today. It'll be the number one story on opening day. It'll be the number one story at the all-star break. It'll be the number one story at the trade deadline. It'll be the number one off-season story, hard stop. Shohei Otani and where Shohei Otani is going to go, if anywhere, that is the number one story of the baseball season. There are a bunch of other stories like the Mets having a Super Bowl commercial and the Padres having the second highest payroll or third highest payroll behind the Yankees and Mets with a market like that and everyone congratulating them and bowing toward them. Of course, nobody in the owners meetings are doing that. They're looking at Peter Seidler like he's Cyclops. The media gets to go to a place at these owner meetings and they get one area and it's a cordoned off area in the lobby and they sit there and you as a president can choose to walk past them. You can choose to avoid them. If you have something you wanna get out, you can go past them and then they'll stop you and you can say a few words. 
after the final meeting is done, the meetings are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Rob Manford meets the media and talks about what went on during the meeting. All of that's normal. Artie Moreno speaking to the press is not normal, but he did. And he said something that Los Angeles Angels fans of Anaheim, you should be super pumped about. You should look at him as your owner and say, this is not business as usual. I know that he tried to sell and we were ecstatic and then he didn't get his price, so he didn't, even though he claims he wants to win a World Series for you, the fans, because that's all he cares about and he hasn't lost the baseball fever. When you heard what he said yesterday, you ought to stand up at the top of the mountain and yell and scream from Space Mountain and say, yes, he said, I'd like to keep Otani. <laughs> I can't. Coke, I can't keep a straight face. I really can't. Artie Moreno saying that I'd like to keep Otani is like me saying I'd like to keep my heart. Of course. What, you don't want to keep Otani? You think you're going to tell your fans, yeah, you know, he's fine, but we're ready to move on. Don't be ridiculous. I think Artie Moreno should have gone into the owner's meeting and they all had their phones and they're all looking at Steve Cohn's Super Bowl ad. I think Artie Moreno should have called his marketing department and he should have called his chief financial officer. He should have called his investment advisor and said, I have an idea. I'm going to do a Super Bowl ad. I'm going to spend $7 million and for 30 seconds, it's going to be zero production cost. I'm going to have a microphone in front of me and I'm just going to, hi, my name's Artie Moreno and I'd like to keep Shohei Otani. For tickets, please call 1-800-ANAHEIM-ANGELS. As though buying more tickets will help him keep Shohei Otani. As if improving or increasing or helping the brand will help him keep Shohei Otani. What does that mean? He didn't stop there. He's one of a kind. He's a great person. Who cares? He's obviously one of the most popular baseball players in the world, an international star. Are you his agent? He's a great teammate. True. He works hard. I would think, given that he's the top of the rotation pitcher and a middle of the order bat, I would say he works hard. He's a funny guy. What do you think, Shohei Otani and Artem Rainer are sitting around telling jokes in the clubhouse? No. He has a really good rapport with the fans. Who's talking? Is it Artie Moreno or Shohei's agent? I would always tell our owner, do me one favor. Try not to increase the value of an impending free agent by anything you say during the course of a year. Please. We tell our baseball department the same thing. Here's who we want to increase the value of. Prospects we want to trade and players we want to trade. That's it. Players we want to sign, we want to let everybody know that they stink. God, that sounds sort of harsh, doesn't it? It's not harsh, it's just true. You're trying to get players as cheaply as possible. Why not? There's no getting around the cost of Shohei Otani. There's nothing Artem Moreno can say or do. And here's the best part. Shohei Otani re-signing with the Anaheim Angels will have nothing to do with whether he's a funny guy, whether he's a good teammate, a great person, a popular baseball player. It'll have nothing to do with that. It'll have to do with where does Shohei Otani want to play? Because he's going to have not one, not two, but three teams bidding for him. Now, there could be secret teams, the mystery team. But realistically, if he's going to get $50 million a year, which is quite likely that he's going to get, there's three teams. Dodgers, Mets, Angels. That's it. 
we're going to see some amazing quotes throughout the course of this year. And Artie Moreno is off to what I would consider to be a fantastic start. Hi, my name's David Sampson. I'd like to keep Shohei Otani. All right, when we come back, I watched one of the Oscar-nominated movies for documentary short, and then I'm going to talk about what happened in the NBA yesterday because if you're not upset about the NBA trade deadline, unfortunately, you're just not paying attention to what's going on in the NBA. We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but if you're watching this live, you just saw UEFA commercial two days before the Super Bowl. I would say that next year, if we're still here at CBS, I would say that there'll be Super Bowl commercials. Just call me crazy. What do I know? UEFA starts February 14th. Hip, hip, hooray. It's actually pretty cool, right? Okay. I'm reviewing a movie. If you're listening to this, thank you. Tell people about Nothing Personal. Come to Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. We're live three days a week, this week four. Thank you, Coca. I watched The Elephant Whisperers yesterday, 42 minutes. Documentary short is a category where it's not a feature length documentary, like an hour and a half or more. It's 40 minutes or 30 minutes. The Elephant Whisperers. Did that start, Coke? I forgot to talk to you about this pregame. Is the Dog Whisperer the start, or was it the movie with Natalie Portman and Robert Redford, The Horse Whisperers? Maybe they may not have been in it. That was a long time ago, maybe before you were born. Is that a thing from like 50 years ago or 100 years ago when you can talk to animals? Remember that we saw the, uh, we reviewed the movie about the woman escaping the Holocaust who was like a wolf whisperer and it turned out to be totally made up. So when I saw something called The Elephant Whisperer, of course I'm gonna watch it because I wanna know. It's like, are like Siegfried and Roy, the late Siegfried or the late Roy, one of them is late, maybe they're both late. Were they tiger whisperers, cat whisperers? The Elephant Whisperers about a group of people, and this is crazy, uh, they raise elephants who have been left out of the pack. The way elephants work is there's a pack of elephants, and if you can't keep up with the pack, see you later. So it's hard for them to fend for themselves. They could have been hurt. They could have been attacked. They could have been sick, whatever the case may be. And apparently, you don't need running water. You don't need electricity. You don't need clothing. You need spirituality. And having spent a month in Africa this past summer, I can tell you this is real. The way people are living is, I would say, exactly opposite of the way all of us live. They don't care about the Super Bowl this weekend. They don't know who's in the Super Bowl. They've never heard of the Super Bowl. 
They've never seen the Super Bowl. TVs, forget about it. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, LeBron James, no chance. In 40 minutes, you learn how people can take care of elephants and live a life where they are fully satisfied with what they're able to do. Remember the documentary that we reviewed where there was someone who went to uh, Central and South America because they were raising uh, those asarats, asupats, that animal that looks like a cat. I forgot what it's called. They're not called wildcats, Coca. You don't have to yell at me. That's not what they're, oh, the movie's called Wildcat and they're raising something called an ocelot, yes. So this is like Wildcat, except what they're doing is with elephants. And it is fascinating to learn how to take care of an elephant. And what's crazy is that the elephants become trained like house pets, and then they're eventually set back in the wild, but they really do listen to people. And not like training where you have a stick and they, like you can ride them like in the circus. They're wild elephants. 42 minutes of your life and uh, you're not gonna cry but you're gonna be fascinated. How about that? Yesterday, we had a situation happen that has been happening a lot recently, and it's been bothering me greatly. And it's only bothering me for selfish reasons, of course, where I am knee deep in my own mortality as I'm approaching double nickels here in a couple of weeks. And I don't know why I'm, I'm healthy and happy and everything's great, but you just, you never know. But what's happening now is every day I'm getting a text alert about someone else who passed away. And these were people who I considered my contemporaries or people who I looked up to or who, who were, became part of the fabric of my life. And when you see that happen, it just, it gets sad and you don't know him. I didn't know Burt Bacharach. I just didn't know him. And he passed away yesterday at 94, but I felt as though I knew him because of his music, because of the theme from Arthur, which was one of my favorite movies. And I still sing that song. It's on my running list, on the playlist when I run. The best that you can do is fall in love. If you get caught between the moon, that's Burt Bacharach. What about Austin Powers? For those of you who like Austin Powers, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. And he sings the song in Austin Powers, what the world needs now is love. Raindrops keep falling on my head. This guy was so prolific in writing songs, songs that will be They'll live forever. What do we do that lives forever? I guess I could say winning the 03 World Series, but do people really care who was the team president, the 1957 Yankees? Do you even know who that is in 50 years? Yeah, was that the uh, 2003 Marlins? Yeah, don't know. Legacy. I'll miss his songs. I guess I don't have to miss them. I can keep listening. I was listening to a song before the show started called This Guy's In Love With You. And I was introduced to it because it was part of a show that I watched. And uh, anyway, thank you, Bert. Call your parents if they're alive today. Just say hi. Call your kids if you have kids. Call your friends. There's nothing wrong with saying I love you to people. There just isn't when you hang up, when you're talking to people, when you see people. It's a weird world out there. You just don't know what's going to happen. I think the people in Turkey and Syria thought that they were uh, 20,000 of them were gonna die in an earthquake. Carpe diem, folks, carpe diem. The NBA has a problem. I can't even transition from that, Coca. Do you wanna do a wipe or something? I don't know how you transition from me literally choking up right now, live on the air. Okay, 
Here we go. Transition. The NBA has a problem. Part of having a salary cap and having a salary floor is that teams are forced to spend a certain amount of money. When teams are forced to spend a certain amount of money, that means that they have to give money to players who are not worthy of the money they're getting and the players end up stinking and you figure, trying to figure out what the hell am I supposed to do? Do I trade a player? Do I release a player? And then when there's a salary cap situation, you have all these fans who are excited about trade deadlines, except what they don't realize is trades in the NBA are super complicated, which is why you've got three team deals, four team deals, trying to figure out how to make the money work. Where can Westbrook be traded? Well, you've got to send money back. There's got to be rules about who gets what money, et cetera. An unintended consequence of a salary cap and a salary floor in the NBA is this concept called a buyout. Buyout is when you trade for a player and you say, I really don't want this player. But I had to take them because I want to get rid of the players I didn't want. So I take back a player and I buy them out, get rid of them. And then that player becomes a free agent and can sign with another team at the veteran minimum, at the league minimum. The trade deadline last night at 3 p.m. was insanity. Not because of Kevin Durant, not because of Russell Westbrook, not because of D'Angelo Russell, not because of Pat Beverly. Do you know that almost 10% of the total number of players in the National Basketball Association got traded yesterday as part of the deadline? 25 teams made trades to the point where I sit on Lebitard yesterday and watch Mike Ryan lose his mind because Pat Riley didn't trade for Kevin Durant or they didn't find a way to get rid of Nick Lowry. There's only so many teams are gonna take your crap. And when Nick Lowry was signed or Duncan Robinson was signed, everyone was all excited. How great is it that these players got signed? What did I call him? It's Kyle Lowry. What did I call him? Did I call him Kyrie? Did I call him Nick? Who's Nick Lowry? I have no idea who that is. Oh, Nick Lowe is a singer. Was I thinking about that? Anyway, Kyle Lowry. No correction needed. You're upset when your team can't trade a player who you were thrilled about when they signed him. Explain to me the mentality of how a front office can succeed when we get to take victory laps when we sign deals that end up being crap, and then we have to get rid of a player when we can't get rid of the player or the team is bad, you're all of a sudden upset. Oh, because we should never sign players to bad deals? Guess what? In the NBA, there's bad deals everywhere. It's not just Russell Westbrook's deal. And what teams are doing with these buyouts is something the NBA is focusing on. If you're Adam Silver and you woke up this morning, you have to strongly consider whether or not you need a change in the next CBA. And they're having these CBA negotiations right now. We did a wait to see, I don't know, maybe a month or two months ago, that there'll be an extension signed, that neither team is gonna opt out, neither side, the league side or the player side is gonna opt out of the current CBA. There's no way players would ever opt out. They get a fixed percentage of revenue. The revenue is growing. There's crappy players getting paid John Concac type contracts. But what the buyout means is that it's A-Rod on steroids. The expression I use for A-Rod on steroids is when you need multiple teams, that's what it's known in the baseball circles. It's doing the A-Rod. It's like doing the dance. Let's do the A-Rod. Let's get as many teams as we can to pay his entire salary. We're gonna trade him to you. We'll pay part, you pay part. Yeah, you need to trade him again. You trade him and then we'll pay part, you pay part. And at the end, there's three teams paying part. I think that's the sign of a player who's not worth the money. 
that he originally signed for? Buyouts mean the players are so overpaid that nobody wants them at that amount. It's the equivalent of Major League Baseball waivers, which is something that's talked about all through the season by GMs, by presidents, not really by owners, but certainly by members of the commissioner's office. When you put players who are highly paid and you release them and put them through release waivers and you're hoping to God someone picks them up and no one does, then you have to pay their entire salary and someone else gets to take a flyer, that's bad for the game. You know what else is bad for the game? All of these second round picks being traded. Did you see the Jay Crowder trade? He did not play for the Phoenix Suns for one minute. He decided, along with the Suns, hey, we're not going to play you. He's like, I want to play, but if you're not going to play me, I'm not going to sit on the bench. I'm going to sit out the entire season until you trade me. They finally found a way to trade him for five second round picks. The Milwaukee Bucks, five second round picks. Why? Because there's rules. There's only a certain number of first round picks you can trade. Four, they can't be in a row. And if you don't have those number of picks to trade, then you're worthless. So few first round picks were traded for this year's draft because the teams had already traded them. Five, do you know what that means to me and to Adam Silver and to anyone in the basketball operations department in New York? It means that second round picks are not exactly being valued, which means the NBA draft is too long. You don't need them, it's worthless. And when something's worthless, they say, no, we'll make it up on volume. Second round picks stink, but we'll take five. It's absurd. Literally absurd. Second only, that's only second place of the absurdity of the trade deadline. The number one story of the trade deadline should be the Houston Rockets. Why? The Houston Rockets, they're not, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Like what's, what's interesting about the Houston Rockets? Do you know last year they bought out John Wall for $41 million? He went to the Clippers. Do you know the Clippers just sent him back to the Rockets? And the Rockets are again gonna let him go? It's so good. These are players that when they were signed, when John Wall was signed to his contract, oh, that's a max player. That's the expression we use in the NBA, a max player. Give me a break. The number of max players can't be, it's like number one starters in baseball. You think there's 30 number one starters? There's 30 people who will pitch opening day. There are not 30 number one starters. There are not as many max players as people who get paid the max because in the NBA, you've got to pay players because of the salary cap and the salary floor. There's changes coming in the NBA, there have to be. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We had the Bucks five and a half over the Lakers. We caught a break because I think the final line was like eight. They ended up winning by nine, doesn't matter. Bucks covered, LeBron didn't play, we're a winner. We're 19 and 21. I wanna talk about the Super Bowl because pay attention, I have for you nine Super Bowl bets. I am making nine of them and I'm giving them to you. Some of them are props, some of them are game, but they're gonna count as picks of the day. Who are you rooting for? It's really a tough game, isn't it? You've got the Eagles favored by one and a half points. It's really no different than a pick em. Although the Giants beat the Bills in the Super Bowl, I think they beat them by one, as I recall. 
So maybe there's a team that can win by one. So I guess the Eagles could win the game without covering, but you're best off when looking at this Super Bowl as treating it like a pick'em. Figure out who's gonna win and that's where you go. The keys to this game are very simple. The Eagles, can their defense stop Patrick Mahomes on one and three quarters ankles? It's gonna come down to the effectiveness of Mahomes. Two weeks off to get a high ankle sprain going, I would have told you it's not enough, but I also told you that he's not gonna look effective in the AFC Championship. And let me tell you, he was still effective enough. And two more weeks of absolute work on the ankle, they say, and they're gonna talk about this as well. He did not get a shot. They said that before the AFC Championship. I'd like proof of that because having a painkiller is critical when you have an ankle sprain, because otherwise it's hard to deal with because it hurts. They have Patrick Mahomes over under for yards. Go to DraftKings, go wherever you want to go and, and figure out all your prop bets because it's fun, right? You're rooting for a coin toss. You're trying to keep track. It's good to have an entire sheet. Maybe you'll do a numbers pool. Patrick Mahomes, 292 and a half passing yards under. You don't realize how good the Eagles defense is. Well, if you're an Eagles fan, you do. Far, far better than who else he's played. Probably the best defense he's played against, in my humble opinion. I'm going under 292 and a half passing yards. On the other hand, Jalen Hurts, it's an interesting line they set. 238 and a half passing yards is his over under, and I'm predicting he goes over. Now, if you think you know where I'm going with the game, I don't think you do. Mahomes under passing yards, Hurts over. First bet of the day, you really want to get off on a good start. Tails never fails. I'm going heads on the coin flip. That's an actual bet. You have to lay 4% VIG. Why is it 4% VIG when it's a 50-50 shot? I don't even get that. Why isn't it 10%? Why isn't it the normal VIG, normal 5% VIG? There's literally, it's not like there's zero or double zero. You've got a 50% chance. I'm going heads. Then I get to guess who scores first and you can bet on it. Under 10% VIG, only lane 108. I've got the Chiefs scoring first with the field goal. Now what's weird is, if they score with a field goal, that's a plus 390. If they score first, it's a minus 108. You can score with a safety, you can score with a kick return for a touchdown, you can score with a touchdown, rushing or passing, or with a field goal. When Mahomes gets in the red zone, they score, don't they? This is the Eagles defense we're talking about. Chiefs score first with a field goal. Which means I've got the Chiefs scoring first. And I've got the Chiefs winning. And I can get two to one for that bet. The team to score first and wins, Chiefs plus 200. All right, MVP of the game. Yeah, you can figure out where my head is on the Super Bowl, can't you? Patrick Mahomes plus 130. It's either if you like the Eagles, take Hurts. There's a bunch of other long shots you can go with. Kelsey, you can go with a, a receiver for the Eagles, receiver for the Chiefs. The winner of this game, the MVP will be the quarterback. Trust me, the way the NFL is, the way they're promoting this game, the MVP of this game under every scenario will either be Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. I'm going Mahomes plus 130. I'm taking the Chiefs plus one and a half and I'm taking the under for the game. The game total is 50 and a half. There's been a ton of scoring. I just have a feeling that we are undervaluing the defense for both the Eagles and the Chiefs are no slouches either. So those are your nine bets for the Super Bowl. It's pretty exciting. Are you going to a Super Bowl party? I think it's an excuse. I think I'm gonna make personal pizzas in a personal pizza oven that I got for Hanukkah. 
and I'm gonna see if I can do that, but I have to get the dough and the flour and onions and garlic, figure out how to do it. I think I'll do a practice run Saturday because I've gotta be able to watch all the commercials because who's not excited to see the Steve Cohn Mets commercial? It's just business. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Super Bowl. We'll be back Monday. This is Nothing Personal.